evening or afternoon, depending on where in the wide world you are. This is Mike, your host as always, and I'm here with Eric of the R Podcast and apparently every tech conference fame. Eric, where the hell have you been? Oh, Mike, first, it's a pleasure to be back, and I admit I was a little nervous after our last episode. I wasn't going to be back after our Sega tirades, but hey, yeah, you welcome me back. But uh, <laughs> It's a good concern because they do own an IP called Yakuza. So that, that is true. Yeah, yeah we got to be wary of that. <laughs> yeah, I've been a busy, busy boy, as they say. I was I just came back from a data science conference called PositConf in Chicago, where I gave a one day, all day workshop on building awesome shiny apps in production. And it was very well received and soaked up all the data science goodness. And maybe this is a topic for Coda Radio Sunday, but I'm all aboard the WebAssembly train now for Ooh. building apps. So. Lots of fun stuff I've learned there. That's actually very funny because I'm working on a post and uh, some coder content on WebAssembly. So maybe hey, hey. Discord later, we should have a check. So I'm wondering where, uh, yeah, I, I bet we have a slightly different perspective. So that would probably, be <laughs> yep. And then um, later this week, I'm going to yet another conference, a little more life science specific. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a traveler these days. Yeah, you're a traveling man. I'm, I'm back on the road starting November. It's, this is be. I mean, the first real time for me, I think I did one since COVID. So, I, you know, I, this is kind of fun to hear over there, but just getting my travel routine ready is, I'm just not used to it anymore. Yeah. It's like all that, all those uh, muscle memory skills you learned in the past are, are all gone after those uh, yeah. pandemic times. So yeah, I've been in the swing of it too, but yeah, hope you have awesome travels as well. Yeah, it should be fun. All right. But as we're usual, uh, we should start with what we've been playing. So I'll start with you. What have you been playing? Yeah, well, it is certainly on brand with our, our main topic. But um, during my workshop prep and the little bit of downtime I had, I didn't want to tax my brain with any real, you know, demanding games that required a lot of think power. I just needed some to let off some steam. And that's where I rekindled my love for Streets of Rage mm. and got the Streets of Rage 4 sequel on Steam, on my Steam deck. And it is amazingly fun it is like all the great vibes of streets of rage 2 it's as if they kind of forgot what happened in streets of rage 3 which is probably a good thing but (laughs) it's got great cell drawn animation awesome soundtrack and it's just got a lot of additional content as well so i've been having tons of fun with that nice nice so i've been playing uh two things assassin's creed 3 remastered on the ps5 which i somehow missed assassin's creed 3 i went from two to four and for those who don't know, Assassin's Creed, right, it's that historical, kind of like historical fictionalized game where you pseudo go back and it's weird. The plot is, the plot's nuts. So we're not it's even going to It's a bit out there from what yeah. I've seen. <laughs> yeah, we're not even going to try. But this one takes place during the American Revolution. You are a assassin. Assassin is a group of people, not just, but you also happen to be a literal assassin. So that works. And your enemy is the Knights Templar and a corporation called Abstergo who are just the Knights Templar in the future. And their aesthetic is a lot like Apple, which I'm not saying that the developers did that on purpose, but there's a hell of a lot of Johnny Ives in their office building that you go in the game. I Positive points, fluid gameplay. I'm a big history nerd, if you ever look at my Goodreads. So it's interesting to see, you know, kind of a different take. Although having said that, my pet peeve is they made Washington this eloquent dude who like can stand up and give a great speech. Not true. Though he did write great speeches, he was uh, not super great at that. Yeah, it seems yeah. like a little more normal like us. <laughs> yeah, he'd be a little nervous. Um, still a great man, obviously. The bad. So so this is a little unfair, but since I played Assassin's Creed 4, which is the pirate one when it came out, that has really good ship combat. 
Assassin's Creed 3 is the one that uh, kind of pioneered it. And boy, can you tell that they learned a lot. It It's basically lousy in Assassin's Creed 3. That's yeah. not good. I was pleasantly surprised, although I think that's because it was a remastered edition, that it wasn't quite as buggy as I remember some of the Assassin's Creed games being. I only flew into a mountain or a wall once, which, uh, you know, wall of rock, right? Which was nice. Little short. I did the main campaign and a couple of side things. It, I beat it in two days. I beat it over the weekend. So, you know, not not bad, but definitely, definitely not maybe as deep of a story as, let's say, an Assassin's Creed Origins or, um, you know, certainly an Assassin's Creed 2, right? Right, right. So, so still definitely worth a pickup. I happened to get it over one of those many PlayStation Plus sales. Oh, sure. I got like the whole bundle. So I think next up for me is going to be uh, the Viking one. When I go back to Assassin's Creed, whose name I can't remember. Valhalla. Valhalla. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And I'm also playing Sonic Frontiers. Or I should say I was until I got frustrated with the just unbelievable level of bugginess. Oh, and the, no. Phew, I'm playing on the Switch and the graphical glitching. is. And this is the thing. So this is my little rant. If you are a game called Sonic... And you know, yeah, you got old guys like me and Eric playing it, but really, that that's kids, right? Like, kids are going to, you know, mom or dad's going to buy that for the kids. Yep. You need to target the Switch as your primary platform. So you need to calm down on, like, first of all, open world Sonic, it's just a bad idea from a gameplay perspective. <laughs> We've seen that before, yep. <laughs> yeah, it, it never works. Like, you know, Sonic doesn't belong in the open world. Um, and it, this game suffers from some of the stages when you enter, like, the linear, traditional kind of 3D Sonic levels are good, but you have to do all this open world nonsense to get to them. Oh. Yeah, really, really bad. And we, we all know that I'm a Sonic partisan, so it pains me to say it. It's actually one of my one of my few did not finishes because I just couldn't slog through it. Well that's unfortunate. I had, you know, mild hopes for it, but when you like you said, when you're combining the this genre that we know the glory days of Sonic. It was most definitely not meant for that open world nonsense. It's it's just it's just sad. Well, you know, when they were develop, developing it, everybody had this Skyrim fever, right? You could we're starting yeah. to hopefully get to the end of that, given the dev cycles. Right. Uh, we should say that the upcoming Sonic Superstars does return to like a two point five D, uh, more linear, you know, run fast and beat Robotnik kind of thing. So yeah, that's welcome, welcome news, welcome <laughs> home. So speaking of Sega, I heard they did some shopping. Did they ever? And I admit, when this first came out, it came a bit out of left field. But then as I ponder this, it starts to make a bit of sense. So what Mike's referring to is that I think Sega's had their eye on the mobile space a bit more than maybe we realized. And they have actually bought Rovio, which is the company behind a little bit itty bitty IP that came out in the 2013s called Angry Birds. And they purchased them buying for a whopping $775 million or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it, there's, a, there's a few theories or, or um, postulation on why they did this. But my thinking is that primarily is that they see other, you know, com- you know, companion companies that may or may not have competed with Sega in the past are starting to get some success in the mobile space. And maybe they thought their mobile dev game wasn't quite up to snuff. So if, not. You, if you can't beat them, you might as well buy somebody that seems to have figured it out. So it does sound like they want to take great advantage of Rovio's 
both SDK like infrastructure, but also just their, you know, their mind share and their experience with the Angry Birds IP and others to really supercharge their potential, uh, their own IPs and maybe getting into the mobile space a bit. So I don't know if it's one of those things that is too little too late, but then again, I could be pleasantly surprised. So that's been the the biggest theory of it. But what's your take on this, Mike? Yeah, there's a couple things. So one, if you don't have young children, you might not know how big of a brand Angry Birds is. They have a number of television shows. They actually have standalone arcade games, which I just hate with a fiery passion. <laughs> you and me um, both. There are multiple editions of the Angry Birds uh, mobile game. They also have like a very fake co-branding deal with a lot of companies. Uh, I think most notably would be Star Wars. And I believe they had an Avengers deal at one point with uh, Marvel. Industry context. So the first thing when I saw this news, this is happening at the same time that Microsoft is trying to buy Activision, which by the time this come out will probably be approved by the UK. In the just boy, that seems like it's been taken forever, unless it's just me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a shit show too, right? With the the, right. the massive leaks from Microsoft, uh, their emails or whatever that they posted on the uh, trial site. One of the things is everybody, and I think this is fair, a lot of like the more mainstream core gamers have been like, oh no, my Diablo, my Warcraft, because uh, Activision obviously owns Blizzard, right? Mm-hmm. It turns out Microsoft's like, yeah, sure, whatever. We want King. Now, King is a name you probably haven't heard in a while because Activision bought them a number of years ago, but they are the mobile game development company behind a little known game, unless you are a middle-aged mom, called Candy Crush. Oh boy. And that, that, they are printing that mama money. And you could just read Phil Spencer's leaked email, right? It's basically, we want to be in mobile. We don't necessarily know how to bring our IP to mobile, so let's just buy our way in. More industry context. Apple just did a um, an announcement for the iPhone, what is it, uh, 17, 15? Who cares? 15, 15 Pro. What is the first thing they start talking about? Gaming that is going to be, in fact, Resident Evil uh, Village is coming out on it. And they're saying they can get near PS5 quality graphics. I think there's a lot of asterisks on that because most mobile developers are not just going to target the high-end phone, right? So Yeah, you want to actually get some actual profits. You can't just tunnel vision yourself on one of them. (laughs) Right, but what is firm in terms of profit is when Apple says services and revenue, thanks again to the wonderful judicial system, we have leaked documents and testimony that, yeah, most of that is in-app purchase, uh, 30% fees for mobile games. So, in fact, I, I, I'll i find the link to put in the notes later. There is a chart where Apple is actually one of the biggest game publishers, quote-unquote, in the world by revenue. They don't actually make games, right? They get that 30 to 15% tax or toll, whatever you want to call it, fee on each in-app purchase and each game sold. And really, it's in-app purchases. And bums your uncle. There's just something so wrong with that sentiment, but it makes, unfortunately, it makes sense with their model. But oh, goodness. Well, Tim Sweeney quickly took to Twitter to just rage. You know, Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic, Fortnite yes. guy who just hates hates Apple. Yeah, so I admit they haven't yeah. had the most uh, great history together. Yep. <laughs> I would say that's a relationship that a quick divorce might be the best thing for everybody. Right. Except they can't because uh, they need that sweet sweet Apple money. Right. Yep. Got to be on that platform. So. Yeah, I mean that's to me that's the enemy. Does any of that sound wrong to you, Eric? That sounds spot on to me. And like you said, we're seeing this precedent across the industry. And I don't 
don't think Sega wanted to get left behind. Well, I'm getting left behind. I mean, it's now no. time. time to now we don't want to get left behind, no. but we know what happened before. <laughs> oh, God, Sega. You know, it's interesting because if you look at Sega right now, they're, they're in this weird place where they actually have tried to spin up mobile studios and have uh, basically taken them out back like Old Yeller and shot them in the back of the head. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sad. The, the the mobile games they publish under their own name are just bad. I mean, they're really not good. Yeah, I remember doing the research for this that they had, you know, somewhat decent success with, I believe, an iOS version of Super Monkey Ball, which was a fun yep. game back Long in the time day. ago. Yep. Long time ago. But then a certain little IP called Angry Birds released, and that, uh, that took over everything. So even when they did get it right at the time, it was just awful. It's punishing. Yeah, it's, you know, it, although on the core side, right, their Total War uh, tactical strategy franchise, uh, I, I would guess most people have played Total War, but no Total War Rome. Mm-hmm. It'll go in strong. I mean, pre-sales look good for Total War Pharaoh, which is obviously Egyptian themed. That is also on multiple platforms. You can get Total War Rome on iPad and give Apple that sweet, sweet 30%. So, you know, Yakuza just had a great release, right? What is it? Yakuza Ishin the Dragoners is a crazy name, but I have it on my two playlists. I just, you know, every time we say bad things about them, I don't want to actually download anything with like a guy with a koi fish tattooed across his chest. <laughs> I can understand that feeling. Yep. I mean, just because, you know, the Dreamcast failed and it shouldn't have doesn't mean they can't kill you. <laughs> so yeah, you gotta watch your back, Mike. Gotta watch your back, man. And you know they do like to go fast, a la Sonic. So I yeah. don't know. I mean, you know, I think about this, and I'm like, okay, Rovio. In a weird way, I could almost see crossover potential between the Angry Birds IP and like Sonic. Right? Let's not forget this little blue weirdos that appeared in Sonic uh, Adventure with that on the VMU. Remember, you like baby Tamagotchi thing? Ah, uh, yes, those are yeah. fun days. Yep. Could they maybe hopefully not lay everybody off and use the Rovio mobile expertise to actually build decent mobile games with their IP? Well, this is the question, right? Okay, so you buy Rovio, right? They're, they're effectively a development shop. Yes, they make deals with Netflix to do like the cartoons and they sell toys and other stuff, but their core business is that in that purchase goodness. Right. Are they buying Rovio for the IP? Because Rovio has tried to launch other IPs in a it basically failed, right? They're like the Angry Birds company. Or are they buying them for the mobile development talent? Yeah, as I, I get a read on this, again, all none of us are on the inside, so to right. speak, but it just seems like they want to get the dev side expertise to start with, and then maybe other things just organically happen after that. But I don't think you're wrong about we're going to see some probably massive crossovers sooner than later with the existing IP of, of Angry Birds, but also I'd imagine that this is going to be the next evolution in what Sega wants to accomplish with their mobile mobile IPs. I'm sure Sonic's going to be a big part of that, but there may be other ones that have been under the radar that perhaps they think can resurrect with what Rovio can bring to the table with their expertise. So I feel like it's more the dev side, but 
I guess we'll find out in the year or so if we're yeah. right or not. <laughs> well, and even even like before a year, there, there's some obvious wins, right? Rovio has already shown that they can take any arbitrary IP and quote unquote birdify it, right? Turn it, you know, turn Darth Vader into an angry bird. Oh, Hell, Sonic, Sonic already rolls up into a ball. It's just not that hard to get to where you want to go. <laughs> I mean. It's all right there for the taking, isn't you, it? You could do, you know, roboticized, uh, you know, the pigs are the bad guys in Angry Birds, right? You could do roboticized pigs and like the Robotnik got all the pigs or something or hell you could do it where Sonic's rescuing the birds. Like I could see a, just a million basically, uh, you know, asset swap moves, right? Where they're just going in and like, yeah, we're going to tweak the, the, you know, the graphical assets and the levels a little bit and add these other characters, which is exactly what they did with... And I have a confession. The reason I keep talking about the Star Wars one is I spent a stupid amount of money on that game, like hard <laughs> tab level money. And then I was like, what am I? Like, I would go to the bathroom and extend my bathroom visit by like five minutes, such to the point where people knock on the door. Hey, man, you OK? Is he sick? Like, no, I just can't get this damn pig. Hang on. I got to. Yeah. yeah, you have the fever of Star Wars Angry Birds going on. I know it's hard to get hard to get away from that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you throw Star Wars on something and it's immediately worth uh, 50 bucks at least. Of course right? it is, yeah. <laughs> so we whine a lot about Sega because uh, we're sad. What? It's all out of love, Mike. It's, it's all out of love. Yeah. You know, Sega's like our meth-addicted child in a lot of ways. We, we want it to do well, but it just, you know, it had a really good idea with the Dreamcast, which I will defend. Poor execution, great idea. Yep, we were very much aligned on that last episode. Yep. But they, they, they couldn't recover from the defeat, and to be fair, they would have gone bankrupt had the chairman of the company that owned Sega at the time not saved their bacon, so <laughs> fair enough. Yep. Um, they, that was weird, right? That was like a secret, we're going bankrupt. Like Everybody thought they were fine. They're like, actually, we have no money. Yeah, that was all under the covers in the very odd way, but they, they somehow survived. Just like the Yakuza, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, they wouldn't have gone bankrupt if they really were. Anywho, <laughs> what do you think? What, what does this mean? Is Sega going to become the, you know, so Activision is getting absorbed into the Borg hive mind that is Microsoft Game Pass. We should probably note that just like four days ago, Microsoft, remember, remember when they were promising, like, you can trust us, cross-platform is something we care about. We would never try to mess with Sony. That's not yeah. who we are. Elder Scrolls 6, Xbox exclusive, all the Bethesda stuff, Xbox exclusive. <laughs> yeah, I call us skeptical when we first heard that. We're like, yeah, we'll believe when we see it. Well, it makes sense. Why would you spend all that money on Bethesda? And then be like, we're going to give it to everybody. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy, let's just light money on fire. It's all business one way or another. All business. But will Sega become, you know, more than they already are, but I think maybe on the mobile side, could they become the Blizzard Activision, maybe less Bobby Kotick if we can manage it, of that sphere? I don't think they're going to double down on console. I mean, they do a good business in console, but, you know, like, you know, something that really grinds my gears is these strategy games that Sega makes. They port them to iOS, and I believe Android too, but somebody had a fact check me on that. But they're definitely half-hearted ports. No. I mean, oh, I agree with you. They're, they're not putting all the effort in that they need to. But if you think about it, like turn-based strategy, or even real-time strategy with some sort of like pausing mechanic, right? On a tablet, just makes tons of sense. Using your finger to like select units and move. It's... I would argue, especially given the power of these iPads, it's probably the obvious game genre for them. 
and I just really want it. Yet they can't seem, I don't know if their numbers show them that most people, play, it's a chicken and egg thing, right? Are most people playing on, you know, PC Mac because, well, that's where they, they actually devote their effort and it's better? Or is it that they devote their effort to PC Mac because most people play there? Or I actually think I just got the right answer popped in my head. Is it because they're not good at mobile development and they bought, <laughs> and that's the answer. And that it that's comes full circle, doesn't yeah. it? But you bring up an awesome, you know, genre to, for them to target. And I mentioned there might be some IPs that have been in hibernation that could be resurrected with this. You talk about strategy. One of my favorite series back in the day was the Shining Force series. Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine they, they do some nice hand cell drawn animation with the, the UI optimized for tablet. I think that could be a great resurrection to see, kind of get a read on the market for a mobile strategy setup with the backing of Sega and now Rovio behind it. I think there's a ton of potential there. Uh, I would love to see it. I mean, the business model would probably have to change, right? So right now... The Total War games basically just launches premium, you know, 50 bucks, 60 bucks, whatever you buy them, you buy them on Steam. Right. But a more, I don't know, I could, you know, Civ 6 has, uh, the Sid Meier Civilization series has been transitioning to this and they have a pretty decent iPad offering such to the point where they've made that model work, right? Where they, they're releasing smaller expansions. They're in parity with the PC and the Mac. And the expansions are just in-app purchases. Now, I don't know what the number is. It'd be interesting if you work at a, the company that publishes Sid Meier's Civilization and you want to leak some numbers anonymously, let us know. <laughs> uh, I, don't know I don't know how many people are playing that on tablet. But it was a process, right? They had the god-awful Civ, Re Civ Revolution, which was their first attempt. Mm -hmm. It took them about five years to figure it out. Though, again, they built that talent in-house, right? They actually had to learn how to do it, where yeah. Sega just backed up the Yakuza Japanese cocaine truck and bought Rovio. Yeah, I mean, in one sense, it might seem like an easy way out, but then maybe if they mean what they say in all these fancy press releases we've been reading about, if they continue to not so much overhaul Rovio's model, but just kind of add on to it, Maybe maybe this is their best shot because gosh knows when they tried to do this in house that didn't quite work. But yeah. you know they must be eyeing on their uh, good friends at Nintendo and their success on little little known things like Pokemon Go. Maybe they want to see if they can get into that that space a little bit with some of their IPs. Oh God! Don't tell me there's going to be like a couch to five K Sonic app where Tails <laughs> is just hollering at you. Come on, you can do it. Hey, I've seen Stranger Things, man. You never uh, know. <laughs> that, that seems very likely, actually, right? Yeah. yeah. They're just going to go around making all kinds of IP deals. That's that's the plan. Yeah. I mean, let's hope they're at least a little responsible for it and not diluted too much. But, you know, you'd be naive not to sense that they were seeing this, um, you know, how Nintendo's pulling this off and wondering, yeah, maybe we can rekindle a little bit of that a little Google rivalry in the 90s, but just not wage over mobile. You never know. True. Although, with that said, Nintendo, other than Pokemon Go, hasn't done spectacular in mobile either, right? Well, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. They they just hit they hit the jackpot with <laughs> with that main IP. They're like right off the first pitch. We're just going to pound that out of the park and be fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know how much that penetrates just general culture. We're at this aforementioned data science conference. I was at a, a group of people saying, hey, let's just go walk around Chicago, play Pokemon Go. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Wow, it really is everywhere, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I mean, I know lots of people who still play it and, and enjoy walking into fire hydrants and things like that as they're trying to catch Pokemon. <laughs> it's uh, maybe not the wisest thing to be doing walking down a city street, but hey, you know, you got to get that Snorlax, right? You just yeah. have to. Yeah, I know. Uh, this is fresh in my mind a little bit because my son is now starting to get into Pokemon. So I might have to ask advice for you offline sometime. How oh, yeah. Effectively. <laughs> uh, well, so, so my if he's old enough, get him into the uh, iPad TCG or just if you have the time and you want to do it too, the physical TCG. It's good. It's simple enough. but a, And they actually sell if you just do pre-cons. They're pretty affordable. I think they're like 10 bucks. Okay. They sell them by level. It's like starting out, just get a level one where it's basically all, you know, basic Pokemon and one or two evolves, not a lot of trainer card tricks. Then you get up to like a level three and it's like, oh, it turns out you actually build a Pokemon deck with very few Pokemon if you want to win. Hey. Yeah, it's all trainer cards because there is no resource system other than the energies in Pokemon. But really, that doesn't matter because the trainer cards let you cheat in energies. Not that I play tons of Pokemon TCG with my son, but it does. uh, I definitely do. (laughs) It works. It's, you know, and it's something that's not digital to kind of keep, you know, that's get him. kind of my hope right now because, yeah. yeah, he's itching for, uh, yeah, he wants a switch, by the way. So, yeah, I've got to deal with that for next year potentially. But, yeah, I'd love okay. to take into the TCG version of this. So, yeah, thanks yeah. for the great advice. Oh, no problem. So, uh, Eric, before we leave here, is there anything else you want to share, plug? Well, yeah, so I'm mostly known for my data science adventures, but yeah, you can find what I'm up to. I'm mostly on Mastodon these days. I am at our podcast at podcastindex.social because I'm formerly on board the uh, podcasting 2.0 train as well, which someday we'll get you on, Mike. It's just a matter of time. (laughs) One day. One day. Yep. And um, yeah, also putting links in the show notes to the recent workshop I did. We're making shiny apps in production and learning all sorts of cool stuff there. And I'm also, I'm on the Discord, just like both of us on the Gamer Radio Discord. And special shout out to any of the data science uh, peeps uh, listening to this. Uh, Been great meeting you all in Chicago. And yeah, look forward to seeing you all again soon. Awesome. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Tumanuka or on LinkedIn under, you know, my name. We are sponsored, of course, by my company, The Mad Botter. If you need dev work done or want Alice to do some automation for you, you should reach out. We also, for the first time, have another sponsor, Alderaan Games, their Path of Titans game, which is something, disclosure, I'm doing dev work on. They're kind enough to sponsor this episode and uh, probably a few more. If you like dinosaurs, or most importantly, Eric, you buy that Switch for your son and he likes dinosaurs, Path of Titans does run on the Switch, and I can assure you it runs on iOS because that's what I'm working on. Awesome stuff. Looking forward to playing that. All right, Eric. We'll talk. I'm sure Sega will do something. Dreamcast 2. Just put it in the universe. Dreamcast 2. <laughs> if we say it long enough, it'll actually happen, Mike. It'll actually happen. We'll manifest it like uh, Rachel Newman. That's our plan. <laughs> I'm on board with that. All right, man. Take it easy. You too, man. Thanks. Bye.